Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Right on. You're a little bit more lively than the first crowd, so we're good to have you. Good to be with you today. I'm Nate Krizik. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. We want to welcome you today. We also want to welcome all of you who are watching and worshiping with us out in North Platte. We are so glad that you're with us. And I want to say a big shout out to all my family that are out there and all my friends. So thank you for worshiping with us out in North Platte. As well with all my friends that I hang out with every Sunday down in the venue. So it's good to be with you guys as well. Thanks for worshiping with us. And uh, How's everybody doing today? You doing well? Awesome, good. We are glad that you're here. If this is your first time to New Life, thank you so much for taking time to worship with us. We are honored that you chose to worship with us. Well, you know, January 1 through January 12, I was able to lead a team of young adults to the Ivory Coast of West Africa, and it was amazing. So today, can we have church a little African style? All right, all right, cool. You, you got to be wound up. They have a lot of energy over there, and they, and they love Jesus, and they love church, and they love worshiping together. So we are going to, when I say hallelujah, you say amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, that's a little warm-up, so that you guys passed that definitely very well. Over there, they believe, man, that Jesus is powerful. Anybody believe that Jesus is powerful? Yeah. Amen. So you, I need you to do mimic the actions that I do, okay? Jesus is powerful. Yeah. Oh, no, that's when you say Jesus is powerful. It's okay. It, it's all right. Hang in there. I, I didn't explain that very well. That's why I'm not a school teacher. Like, kids would be running around playing like recess all the time. Dodgeball, let's do it. Making kids cry. But here we go. So when I say Jesus is powerful, you'll just be like, Jesus is powerful. Okay, you ready? Okay, you got it. Jesus is powerful. Jesus. All right, very good. So I'm going to switch it up. I got some more hands signs. So here we go. Jesus is powerful. powerful. Oh, man. Okay, you guys are good. Now I need you to stand with me. Oh, here we go. Get loosened up. Here we go. If you can stand, if you're able, if you're able, if you're not able, that's all right. Stay seated. Praise Jesus. You can just do it right there. But are you ready? Here we go. Jesus is powerful. All right. Amen. High five the person next to you, and you may be seated. Woo! That's how we started services over there on the Ivory Coast. It was exciting. It was awesome. The other thing you need to know about over there is uh, we are Americans, and we, we are rhythmically challenged, okay? Over there, you know, over there I'm just clapping. Over there to keep the beat, they're dancing, and if you don't know what this is, you just ask your kid, all right? You know, okay? If, if you don't know what that is, grandmas or grandpas or moms and dads, just ask your kid. They'll tell you what dance move that is, and you will feel enlightened and old. So it's all good. Um, but man, yeah, so over there, man, they get down. They like to dance. They have a good time in church. It's amazing. Other thing you need to know about church over there is it starts at 8 o'clock in the morning and goes till noon. So if I go long today, it's because I got a late start. So just hang with me today, Amen. Amen. Well, we, I, I'll talk a little bit about the trip, but I also, we want to show you a video of what we did while we were over there and how we, uh, the Lord used us and how we were able to partner with One Hope and uh, the Assemblies of God. So watch this video real quick and find out what we did. On January 1st, 2016, New Life sent a team of 10 young adults to Ivory Coast, West Africa to partner with One Hope. Their mission is God's word, every child. And what they do as an organization is they take teams into public schools to distribute the Book of Hope to elementary age kids all the way up to high school. In the public schools, similar to like in the U.S., we weren't able to talk about God outright. 
but we were able to talk about our best friend, one who is a champion, and our best friend can help you become a champion in life too. While we were in Bowake, Ivory Coast, we handed out 12,916 books of hope. It was amazing to see the joy on the kids' face when they received their very own book of hope. While in Bowake, we also partnered with the Ivory Coast Assemblies of God and were able to bring their church planting campaign to life. The Assemblies of God Ivory Coast vision is to plant 1,000 churches by 2020. And thank you to all of you who give weekly and monthly to missions because New Life was able to build and plant church number one of 1,000. Over the span of six nights, the team organized movie outreaches on soccer fields and street corners telling people about the power of Jesus and inviting them to join the new church. Over the span of those six nights, 1,200 people were reached, and on the first Sunday of the new church, we had 134 people in attendance. Over the next four years, New Life plans to take multiple trips to partner with One Hope and the Assemblies of God to build the local church in Ivory Coast. Will you partner with us in giving and going as we build the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth? Amen, church, amen. Praise God. Man, we serve an awesome God, and you need to know uh, you're a part of an awesome church who loves God and is all about missions and all about planting churches and reaching the lost for Jesus. Amen? That's what we're about, and, and we're all about it. I mean, we've planted two churches so far, one in North Platte, awesome North Platte. We're glad you're with us as well, is down in the venue. And so we are all about planting churches because when you plant churches, we've seen the numbers just, it's not just sheep being shifted from church, but it's people coming to, to, to find Jesus for the very first time. And those are the numbers. Those are statistics. And so that's what we're all about is planting churches and helping new people find the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about. And so we're excited as well as we, as we partner with One Hope and the Assemblies of God over there. Like we said, we planted number one of 1,000, so we have 999 more churches to go. Amen? How many people are with me? Come on. Like I said, over the next five years, we have just been given the grace of God. They've been given the grace of God over there to uh, just plant churches. Um, many of you didn't know, but maybe some of you did know, they were in a civil war for 10 years, and Islam came down and began to push out to the Christian churches. And now there's been an, an opportunity over the next five years, by 2020, um, with the new uh, president that they have in who is kind of more open to planting churches and things like that. He's saying, okay, cool, there's an opportunity, let's do it. And so we're going over there and we want to plant more churches. And so we're excited about doing that. But you need to know a little bit, I want to tell you a couple stories. Uh, people were asking me when we got back, they were asking the team, man, what did God do when you were in Africa? And uh, what didn't God do? But it was amazing. And, and as we got there, the, we left on January 1 of 2012. So just, you know, you know 30, 30 days ago. What did I say? Two, oh, my bad. 15. My, what did I say? 12? I don't know. I got n numbers in my head. It's all right. Hang with me. So, breather. Okay, we're good. Here we go. So, January 1, 2015, we left. And 16, no, January 1, 16, my bad, okay, I can't talk, I'm sorry, can we get this edited, right, can you edit it, thanks, all the guys are going, yeah, let's get this edited, I have lost my brain, okay, 2016, we left, but we 
We're, catch, we're trying to catch up with our missionary, Jim By. They'll show you a picture of him. He's actually from Lincoln, um, but he works with One Hope, and he just works with French-speaking Africa, countries over there, and uh, he's just an amazing guy. And his daughter actually attends our church here at New Life in uh, Kearney, and she's an amazing gal. But he was texting me when we got to Paris, and he says, hey, uh, Pastor Nate, we just need to let you know it's the new year, and uh, the security is just heightened. And I said, oh, okay. Um, he's like, so you're getting ready to, when you go through customs, um, I said, what do I tell him? He said, just tell him you're a pastor. Well, if you've ever been on a missions trip, typically that's not what you tell people when you're coming in to do missions. When you're going through customs, you have to say something else. Hey, and we're going to help a, a ministry. We're going to help another, uh, we're going to help um, a, a school, something else. But you don't tell him, hey, you're a pastor. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, just do it. He's like, the other thing is you're going to look like a typical Americans who just stay in a group. Don't go through customs in one group. I said, okay, great, that's awesome. He's like, there's everybody, he's like, they're pulling out people all over around here, just, you know, doing searches and doing security things. And I was like, okay, here we go. So we get there. The team's standing there with me. There's lines going everywhere, but they're leading to like one door. And I said, any of you ever been to this country? They said, no. I said, me neither. I said, we're not gonna split up. And they're like, well, didn't missionary Jim say to split up? I said, yeah, but I said, I just don't feel comfortable. I said, if one of you, if one of us gets lost or one of us pulled out of a line and gets, you know, questioned, then nobody's going to know. I said, so let's just pull our heads together and let's just pray that the Lord gives us favor. And they're like, okay, so we pull our heads together like we're in a huddle. And I said, in the name of Jesus, just give us favor today, Lord Jesus. We've come as your servants to be used by you. So Lord, help us to get through this line smoothly without any hiccups. Amen. Here we go. So we're going through the line. We're getting through. Everybody gets through perfectly. Amen. Awesome. Okay, great. God's good. We get through the door and we think, all right, we're good. Nope. There's another line. So we go get our bags and we're all standing there and we're Americans. We, t- we stand out in the crowd. If you've ever been to Africa, you know. We stand out in the crowd. They're looking at us like, well, who are these guys? And we're like, yeah, hi, we're here. Welcome. We're glad. Thank you for having us. So we get our bags. We're standing in line. And uh, just I, I, to clarify, there were three other planes that were coming in. So there was over 600 people trying to get through customs at one time. So we're standing there, and uh, there's another line to leave, actually, to go into the country. There are several, there's a couple lines, and they have guys standing there with guns. Awesome. Very cool. Then they're there. They want you to send your bag through the x-ray machine, and they want you to go through x-ray, and they're, they're pulling out people. There's people everywhere. And I'm thinking, all right, here we go, guys. Just stick together. And as we're walking up to the line, there's just a crowd of people going everywhere. And there's an older gentleman with a walkie-talkie who's kind of standing by the door. And uh, he and I just make eye contact. I'm looking at him, and, he's, and I'm, he's looking at me, and I make eye contact, and he just kind of waves me, and he goes, there's no need for you to stand in this line. Welcome to our country, and just opens the door to us. I'm like, I'm like, praise the Lord. So we, we get out. Now we're into the country. It's now the humidity's hitting us. It's hot. And, and I'm like, okay. And so we find uh, our missionary, Jim, and, and the local pastors and some of the local missionaries that are there. And they're like, how did you get through the line so fast? Um, they like, they said, you know, we knew that the flight itinerary, there was, there were three flights coming in. We knew that there were going to be several hundreds of people trying to get through customs. We actually showed up, um, we actually showed up late because we thought we'd be standing or we'd be waiting out here as you were standing in line. He's like, we've actually only been waiting here five minutes for you. And and he goes, what happened? I said, it's the favor of the Lord, Jim. I said, we're here to serve, baby. We're here to, God is with us. We are ready to go. And it's, it's the favor of the Lord. And, and I just want to challenge you. It's the obedience that unlocks opportunities for God, for God to be revealed, to reveal himself. It's when we're obedient that we can step out and then God just shows up. 
And so many people ask me, they said, you know, what's, you know, what's the one big takeaway that you took away from the trip? And for me, it was as I was flying home and I thought, you know what? God did some really cool things. We saw souls saved and lives changed. But in our culture and where we live, that 10 young adults would say, you know what? We're going to sacrifice our time. We're going to sacrifice holiday. We're going to sacrifice to go to Africa. I thought that was the biggest miracle. Because that's what God's asking us to do as believers in Jesus, right? He's asking us just to be obedient. And when we step out in obedience, man, we give the Lord an opportunity to really show up. And he did. And we saw it a number of times throughout the trip. Number of times. While we, were, while we were also over there, we went into the schools and we would distribute these green books like you saw in the video, One Hope. And the, they were books of hope. And we would go in and it's, you know, it's hot out there. It's like 90 degrees. And so we all wearing t-shirts. So I'm gonna roll up my sleeve, okay? We walk onto those campuses and those little kids would come up to you and they just start rubbing your skin and then rubbing it all over their face. Just, they just loved us. They'd come up to the girls, they'd come up to the guys, and they're speaking French, and we'd ask the translator, what are they saying? They're like, can we touch your hair? I just want to pet our hair. We'd go into the classrooms, we'd do skits, we'd do dramas, and they'd just laugh. And they would take this book of hope, and we'd tell them about our best friend, how our best friend loves us and, and encourages us to make good choices. We, we even went to the high schools, an opportunity to speak to high schoolers about um, being a champion and what it looks like to be a champion in life. And those kids, they would hold on to those books, and they would carry them around, and, and you saw in the video, they would run up to us and be like, thank you for the book, thank you for the book. And then at night, we would do, we would do services or cinemas, what we call them, out on soccer fields and out on street corners. And those kids who had those books, they might not have very much at home, nothing to play with, but they would bring those books back to the cinema to watch the video to hear about the God-man, which is Jesus. And they would hear about Jesus, and they would bring it, and they were just so appreciative. And they loved so much and they cared so much. And while we're sitting on these street corners, we'd be hanging out with these kids, and it's in the middle of the night watching this video. To you and I, 75 degrees feels, feels pretty good, right? If you're from San Diego, you're like, yes, I love it. It's all the time. It's, it's pleasant. But also, but, so we're there, and these, all these little kids are coming up to us, and we're like, dude, it's hot. To them, they're freezing. You got all these little kids around you snuggling up under your armpits, sitting on your lap, leaning on your back, just trying to stay warm as they're watching this movie. It was so amazing. It was such an opportunity where we were coming to bless them, but they were really blessing us. And that's what missions is all about. That's what our church is all about. It's all about planting churches and taking missions trips and sharing the love of Jesus. Because I promise you, when you go on a missions trip, you always receive more than what you can give. Amen? You always do. You always do. And so when I got back from this trip, I, I began to, you, you can't go on a missions trip and then not like kind of have a heart check. I came back and I started talking to the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, you know, what really matters, okay? God, I know I have so much, and I have an abundance of a lot of things, and I have all my needs taken care of, but I watch these people over here who, the pastors, they don't have a whole lot, they don't have much at all, but they seem like they have way more than what I have. And I was talking to the Lord, and he says, Nate, you, your culture is all about material, 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 and I know you're like, dude, he's always preaching about material things. But the Lord was talking to me, and he's like, that's what you focus on. That's what is your, is your God. That's what you focus. And he said, over there, these people, they don't have much. They just have what they need, but they believe God for great things. He is their all in all. And so when I got back, I was like, okay, Lord, 
What changes do I need to make in my life? What things, what areas that, do I need to lay down that I've been making more of a priority than I really need to? And the Lord began to just speak to me. He says, what do I value the most? And I'm a pastor, I know. He values people. He said, that's it. Don't worry about all of the, the earthly things, the temporal things where rust and moth can, will come and destroy them and they'll be gone in an instant. And in 100 years, they'll be done. They'll be gone. He said, don't worry about those things, but focus on that which I created, and that was people. And I'm like, okay, Lord. So that's where I kind of bring us today. I I want us to focus on what matters most today, and it's people. The only thing that you can take to heaven is people. And And every name has a story. Every name has a story. Every face matters to God. Every person matters to God. And so as I'm being challenged and as God is speaking to me, man, I, I believe that every child, every person has, should have an opportunity to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. That's our mandate, amen, as a church? That's what we should be about, because that, that's what God is about. And in John 1.12, it says this, but to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave them the right to become children of God. All people all over the world have the right to become children of God, but did you know that there's three billion people that walk on this earth that still have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone has the right. But how do you have the right if you don't know? So my question is for us is who's going to go? Who's going to tell them? Is it you? Is it just the pastors? Is it the church? What's that going to look like? Who's going to go? Who's going to make Jesus known? In Matthew 9, 37, it says this. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So many times as a pastor on Wednesday nights or when I'm doing other youth services or doing things, I'm always praying and going, Lord, would you just flood open the doors with people and students? And Jesus is saying, hey, man, the harvest is great. You can ask for that. It's plentiful. But he said the thing you also need to think about and pray for, the workers are few, church. There's not very many of us that are saying, hey, we want to go. There's not a lot of people that are signing up saying, hey, yeah, send me to Africa, to a place that I don't speak the language. Or there's malaria. I don't even heard of that word. What is malaria? You can Google it. There's not a lot of people saying, sign me up. I, I, I'm watching the statistics. There are more people in our fellowship and in just the churches in general, there are more people, more pastors getting out of ministry than getting into ministry. For some of you, are like, I'm just, I just work in the marketplace. Praise God. Please be the light that God has called you to be in your marketplace. Amen? If, we were, if the church was all doing its job, then we really, what, what's the need of a pastor? You know what I'm saying? Like, my heart is always to work myself out of a job. You don't need me. You've got the word of God. You've got the Bible. You've got Jesus. You've got the, the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you. Somebody say amen. Come on. You have the power of Jesus living inside of you. What do you need some punk guy with some glasses to tell you anything? You got Jesus. You got the word of God. You don't need me. The word of God is speaking. It's alive. It's active. He's speaking to us today. Romans 10, 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them. Who's going to go? Who's going to tell them? You saw the picture of those kids and those people dancing in the village. You, you heard the soundbite. 
They were showing us how they worship. We went to this village. We pull up. We drive off the dirt road into the field, and these kids begin to run up. You saw it. They ran up, and they started pounding on the van, yelling, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, what is going on? I mean, you pull up anywhere in America, they'd be like, well, who's this? What do you want? Don't bother me. But these kids were like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They were excited. And I was talking to the, the missionary, and I said, well, what's going on in this village? They said that this pastor just felt like God was speaking to him. And he went out and he planted this church in this village in November. And we showed up in January. He said there was no church. The church was, or the, the village was witchcraft. They believed in the witch doctor. And that's what they were focused on. So they had fetishes, things that they worshiped, create, creation. Um, and they, and that's, what they, that's what they believed in. But this pastor shows up and begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from November 2015 to January when we went, they'd seen over 100 people give their life to the Lord. Come on. It's awesome. You need to know that God's still working miracles in Africa, and he's still working miracles in the United States today. It may not maybe look the same, but God is still performing miracles in marriages, in relationships, in families, in individuals, setting, setting the captives free from the bondage. And so I'm talking, to this, I'm talking to this missionary, and I'm like, dude, that is awesome. And he goes, hey, I want, I want to show you something. So we took the team, and we went up just up the hillside a little bit. And he says, see this property? He said, this property is getting a church. And I go, what are you talking about? He said, this witch, witch doctor in this village had some property and he donated to a guy and a guy got saved by coming to church and he donated the property to the church so they can have a real church be built. It's what the enemy wants to use for evil, God wants to turn and use for good. You get it? Come on. The things that the enemy wants to use for evil, God can turn and use for good. And so they showed us the property. It was one of the pictures where we were there with the green books. And there were, all the footings were there. They're just waiting for somebody to come over and build the church. And that's why we, New Life wants to partner with them. Over the next five years, we want to go. We want to go back again in January 2017 to build two more churches. Will it be you? Will, you, will it be you that gives? It costs $6,000 to put that church together. $6,000 is a drop in a bucket here in the United States. To them, it's a lot, but if the church just gives, each individual gives a little bit, man, there's so much more that they can do over there. Amen? Amen. So who's going to go? Who's going to tell them? To quote the Beatles, how many people like the Beatles? We're like, church? No, I don't like the Beatles. Yes, I <laughs> revolution. You say you want a revolution. We all want to change the world, right? Remember when you were a little kid? You probably wanted to be a doctor, a fireman, a police officer, a nurse. I don't know. You probably wanted to help somebody. When you're a little kid, that's what you care about. You're like, I just want to help people. Even if you're like, I want to be a football player or a, you know, a professional actor. You're like, I want to make a lot of money so I can help people. That's our hearts. But somewhere between when we're a little kid to when we get older, I think sometimes things change. It's not all about helping everybody else. It's always about helping yourself. We all want to be a part of a revolution. We all want to change the world. And, and church, you need to know that we are part of the greatest revolution that's going on in today's history. It's called the church. Amen? The church is God's design for, being, for, for having souls saved and lives changed. 
It's, it's the church. We don't know. I mean, I, I like the government maybe or a lot. I don't know. But, you know, we don't need all these programs of them helping everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the church's job. If we were an Acts 242 church, we would be stepping up to the plate a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? So people wouldn't have to be running out and going, oh, I need assistance. So the church would be like, hey, we got, it, we got it all. Oh, you need something? Let me sell so I can give to you so you can have. Dude, I'm, I'm preaching at you, but I'm just telling you. Come on. Anybody with me today? Hang with me. Come on. You can't go on a mission strip and not be changed. So if you're like, dude, whatever, go on a mission strip. You'll come back rocked. It's awesome. Andy Stanley says this. Jesus is the hope of the world, and the local church is the vehicle of ex- expressing that hope to the world. We are it. Jesus didn't call us to go to church, to sit in some pews. He called us to be the church. Amen? The church should be alive, and it should be active. It should be breathing. It's not good enough for us just to sit in some pews and just hang out and be okay. Our 26th president, Theodore Roosevelt, said it this way, and I love what he says. He says, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. People got to know we care. So my, my question is, church, do we care? Nate, Nate, do I care? Because that's what I was wrestling with. So many times I get all of, um, I get focused on all these material things and they get me sidetracked from what God's purpose is and God's will for my life is. And I wrestle with that. Galatians 5 talks about that. You know, between the wrestling between the spirit and the flesh. Am I the only one that wrestles with that? I don't think so. I think we all do. We wrestle with, okay, do I want to, am I going to listen to my spirit when what God is calling me to and what God is saying? Or am I going to get focused on temporary things which are always just right in front of us all the time? And that, that's, what I was, that's what I'm talking about. Where, where are you finding your, yourself being focused? In church, do we really care? Nate, do you care? I want to be someone who cares. The church, his church, is a church that will stand up and step out and meet the needs of humanity. That's what God's called us to, to fight for injustices. There are people all around our world who are dying without clean water. I think the statistic is there's 5,000 kids a day who die without clean water or die, die of drinking unclean water. 21 people die each and every day of starvation. You and I, we throw more food away probably each and every day than, you know what I'm saying? Like, we do. We're kind of a wasteful people. But will we meet the needs of our community? The church who meets the felt need in the community is the church who opens the door to introduce people to, to the answer of, of humanity's real problem, and it's Jesus Christ. When we extend, when we give, when we give to the thirsty, when we give to the hungry, when we go to the orphans and the widows, and we care for them and we love them, we are extending an open door for them to listen to what we have to, sh- to share about. Amen? We have the opportunity. When we, when we give, we meet a temporary need, but we can give them eternal value. We can give them eternal purpose. Because you and I, we're going to live forever. We will spend eternity somewhere. And if you look at through all the gospel, you see Jesus, right? Jesus, he was a felt need meter. He was always helping those who were, were in need. When they were hungry, he gave to those hungry, to the man who was blind. I mean, this is ridiculous, but he, Jesus, the, the, Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, a guy comes to him and he goes, hey, I'm blind, can you heal me? He's like, hold on, let me pick up some dirt. Let me rub it in your face. And he sees. 
But Jesus always meets the need. And then he says to him, he goes, hey, because of your faith, you've been healed. Now go and sin no more. Jesus always met the needs of people, but then he always left them with something greater. He said, hey, believe in me. Believe in me, trust in me. Will we be that church who meets the need so that we might have an opportunity, that the door would be open to us? I love what Jesus says about the hungry here. So the church, if we give to those who are hungry, this is what we can also give him. John 6, 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Amen. That's what they need. What's the next one say about the widows and the orphans? Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I can give you help. I can help free you. But what you really need is Jesus to bind up the brokenhearted. To those trapped in slavery, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. We can be Christ's hands and feet in the last one. To the thirsty, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. Amen. That's the God we serve. That's the power of his word. That's the power of life change that can happen when we extend just a little bit of love, compassion to those around us. So today, what will you choose today? Step up and stand out. Will you choose apathy or will you choose action? The choice is ours. And that's what I love about our God. He gives us the free will to choose action or apathy. You can be happy and be, have apathy. You can be frustrated and choose apathy. You can be frustrated and choose action. You can be excited and choose action. It's your call today. But I would encourage you to ask the Lord, God, where am I living today? Am I choosing my time? Because time is money. People don't mind giving money in our culture and in our, you know, these days, but they don't want to give up their time. If you choose Jesus, he's always calling you to action. If you choose apathy, you're rejecting the great commission to go and make disciples. And I want to look at a piece of scripture in Luke 10, 27. says this, He said to love the Lord your God with all your passion and all your prayer and your muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. If your passion for God should always reveal compassion. If I love God, I should love other people, and I should have compassion in my heart that just overflows and oozes out of me. It should be the picture of someone who has a hole in them. And they're like, why are you leaking? Because I'm leaking Jesus. Come on, somebody. You should leak Jesus. If you love God, the next reaction should be compassion. So my challenge is for you today, or my question is for you, do you love God, but you have no compassion? If you have that, can you really love God? That's what I've been wrestling with. That's where I've been living. Because Matthew 28, 19, 19 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a, it's a two-letter word, go. Love God, love your neighbor, but go to the nations. Go to the nations. And I understand not all of us can go, but all of us can do something. All of us can give. We can't continue to live a safe and comfortable life while people all around the world are dying without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my heart for this message. 
We can't live safe and comfortable lives anymore, church, while people around us are dying without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're, being, they're living separated from God. Is that okay? I don't think it's okay. So I wrestle with this question. If the dead could speak, you're like, dude, you're weird. But if the dead could speak, what would they say? If the dead could speak, would it put more of an urgency in our step, more of an urgency in our, in our speech? Would, it put a, would, it be more, would we have more of an urgency in our heart? If the dead could speak. Let's take a moment and listen to this spoken word, if the dead could speak. If the dead could speak. Why would you speak about the dead? That's creepy. You know what's creepy? Let me tell you what's creepy. What's creepy is that we have the cure to something sicker than cancer, but don't give it out because we'd rather hold on to it in our pockets. That's creepy. That's not just creepy. That's cruel and unusual. It's strange. It's weird. And it's common. Look to your neighbor and smile. (laughs) Now realize that even though you smiled at your neighbor and you were kind, they still may not share with you the biggest message of all time. I call it the gospel. So if the dead man could speak, he would probably say to you with as much passion as he could in his decomposing body that he had never heard of such a thing, that he had never experienced such a thing. He might ask you, Why did you smile at me if you were going to just let me die? If the dead man could speak, he would ask you, what was so scary about stepping out of what was politically correct to tell me that someone died for me? Sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in the small things that we forget about the big things. We allow our fear, our greed, idolatry, qualification, and complacency to stop us from giving the biggest ministry of all time. Love is an action word. It's not a contemporary word that we will break apart or dissect or spread apart and share in a sermon or dissertation, in an essay or a response. So if the dead man could speak, he would probably look you in the face and ask you why you never talked. If the dead man could speak, he would probably ask you if you thought you were being complimentary or kind by lying to his face about the future of his life and never allowing him the opportunity to choose Christ. If the dead man could speak, he would ask you if it was worth it, if all the time and money you saved was worth it. Tell it to the face of a dead man who never had the opportunity to choose life or heaven or eternity. So let's take it back to the beginning. Let's say the dead man could talk. He came into this auditorium. He came in and he said, and looked everyone in the face, hey, I remember that time. I remember that time that you uh, gave me the opportunity. You gave me the chance. You gave me something I didn't ask for, something I didn't seek. But now I have nothing to do but thank you because I could have spent my entire life burning You came to me, you spoke to me, you gave to me, and now I just want to thank you for being obedient. 
You've got to give of yourself because it will cost you to share this gospel. If the dead man could speak, they would all say different things depending on how he interacted with them. So speak to those in love, please. I don't need your signs and posters and anger. Show them love. Speak to them the word. I don't need your doctrine or indoctrination. Just give them the word, please. We'll let your pride down and let me use you. And yes, it'll hurt sometimes and you'll cry alone in your room wondering why nobody accepts you, why nobody respects you. But then you'll remember the dead man and you'll smile because the next time you see him, all that's going to come out of his mouth are the words, thank you, thank you. Today, church, we have to respond. We have to do something. God didn't call us to be silent. He called us to speak. He didn't call us to stay. He called us to go. Church, we've got to be people. We've got to be the church that doesn't just jump into some pews every Sunday, but we've got to be a church that's actively pursuing the lost. We have to be those people. Silence in the face of evil is evil. God will not hold us Guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Church, we have to act. This next one, this next quote says, some want to live within the sounds of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within the yard of hell. Church, I understand that not all of us can be missionaries. Not all of us can go and stay for a long period of time, but all of us can do something. We can give. We can support. We can pray. We can just have compassion and we can care. You have to understand that hell represents death, but you have to understand that death will not overpower the church. It can't overpower the church. Darkness cannot hide from the light of truth. God did not call us to run from darkness. He called us to run to darkness. God created you to be dangerous. Are you dangerous? Would you say... That you're on the team and you're the under, you know, you're on the army of God, would you say, man, I'm dangerous to the enemy? I'm dangerous to the darkness. That's really where I'm asking us to go today. Do you find yourself choosing apathy or action? If you choose action, you're gonna be dangerous to the enemy. The enemy's not gonna like it. I think about the uh, the disciples. Did you know eleven of the disciples? were martyred and killed for their faith. That's not really a popular thing to preach about, and they, you probably, maybe I should probably stop. But I'm saying that's what God's calling us to as a church, to step out. It's not going to be popular. Everybody's not going to like us, but it doesn't matter. We have Jesus Christ, amen? We've got to do something. So pray about it. Think about it. Ask the Lord. It's our responsibility to go, and it's our responsibility to give. Like I said, there's over 3 billion, 3 billion people that haven't heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The opportunity is now. We've been given favor. We've been given an opportunity. You are a part of a church who has a greater vision to plant more churches. Not only abroad, but also in Nebraska. You're a part of something great. Will you get involved? Will you be a part? Will you give? That's what I'm asking you to do. We don't all have the same gifts praise Jesus. We don't all have the same temperament, praise the Lord. We don't all talk and sound the same. Come on, somebody, amen? But we all have a gift 
We all have a gift to share. So I'm asking you, will you be the church? Will you use your gifts and your talents for the glory of God wherever they may fit? Is it just going to be life group leaders that go? Is it just going to be pastors? Is it just going to be young adults? I understand some of you are maybe a little bit older. And some of you are like, man, can God even use me? Yes, he can. And he's not finished with you yet, so stop believing the lie. Please. Don't believe the lie that God has finished with you yet. Today, what are you willing to risk so that others can hear about Jesus? For some of you, you don't have money to really give. But in our, at all of our locations, there are missions boards that are in our facilities that you can go and you can take time weekly just to pray for our missionaries all around the world. I think sometimes prayer does more than anything. Be a person of prayer. Others of you, you can give financially. Others of you, you can go. I believe there are some of you in this place that God has been, you've been hearing about missions for the last few years and you're like, no, no, it's not the right time. When will ever be the right time? But I'm asking you, will you say yes in 2016 to go on a missions trip? Whether it's stateside or internationally, go on a missions trip. It'll change your heart. It'll change your life. Again, obedience unlocks opportunities for God to reveal himself. When you step out in obedience, God will always show up. Amen? Amen. Church, would you stand with me today? Today, uh, we all have an opportunity to respond in worship. I'm just asking you to respond to the Holy Spirit as he's speaking to you. Some of you today, you, you want to give financially. And the seat back in front of you is an envelope. You can just mark out, man, I want to give to missions. You can bring it down late at the altar. You can give it to an usher when you leave this morning. For others of you, you're just going to wrestle with, man, God, I feel like I have hardened my heart and I'm, more, I'm just dealing with apathy. I'm not choosing any action. I want to encourage you to respond. Others of you, you, don't even, you haven't heard anything that I've said, and that's okay because you're dealing with your own struggles in your life. These altars in all of our location are for the hungry. Today you come and you allow God to meet with you. And I promise when you come and lay yourself down, the Holy Spirit will meet with you. But I promise you there'll be brothers and sisters in Christ that will come and meet with you too. We weren't called and designed to carry our burdens alone. We were called to cast our cares on him. And sometimes him means my brothers and sisters who come alongside me. I just need to share and listen, and let them pray for me. So today, will you respond as the Holy Spirit's leading you today? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you today for who you are. You're a great and mighty God. You're faithful. You give us always more than what we even need. You always pour out an abundance. So Jesus, we receive your love and your grace today. Jesus, would you lead us and guide us as we respond today? Meet us here in this place. Move us to action. Move us to look different than when we came in today. We're going to give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said, amen. Let's worship.